0: For the next uh, hour in this seminar, we are going to look at practical ways to put Jesus' method into action. We saw in the last or in the first part of our program, we read a quotation from the book Ministry of Healing, page 143, and it said, Christ's method, what does it say everyone? Christ's christ method alone will give true success in reaching the people and then it said that there were three parts of jesus ministry one was mingling this is the quotation not necessarily the bible verse but it says jesus mingled with men as one who desired their good what else did he do he showed his sympathy He showed his sympathy for them. And then the next part was that he ministered to their needs. And by doing all three of those things, he won their confidence. Now, I want for you, okay, the first one, the first one was mingling. And we're going to talk about that in detail right now. The first one is mingling the second one is sympathy showing sympathy and the third is ministering to needs ministering to their needs when jesus did this he won the confidence of the people and i want to make it very clear and it is very important to recognize that jesus didn't just say come follow me First, that wasn't his first thing he didn't come and say hello my name is jesus come follow me right that wasn't his method he won the confidence of people and then and only then did he say come and follow me it's very important to keep that in mind in our ministry as we seek to reach out to people that we win their confidence first but once confidence is won i believe we have a divine obligation to ask people Come and follow Jesus with me. Isn't that right? Do you believe that? All right. We're now going to look at the first aspect of Jesus' ministry, highlighted in ministry of healing. And the first part was mingling. What does it mean to mingle? Making friends. Making friends. All right. That's good. Socialize. Socialize. That's another excellent word for socializing any other things come to your mind mingling interacting Interacting, another excellent word was jesus a sociable person or did he just hang out in the hills of galilee (laughs) just praying for the people not at all that was not at all his ministry let's open our bibles and let us look at a few examples of Jesus' ministry of mingling. I'd like for you to look with me in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. This is really where uh, the ministry, uh, the public ministry of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew is really highlighted. In Matthew chapter 8 and the first four verses, you find Jesus, what was he doing? He was ministering. Uh, It said he came down from the mountain. Great multitudes follow him. Where did he go? Who did he mingle with? Jesus, yet the multitudes were following him. So he was mingling with the multitudes of people in general. And then who did he go to help? The leper. Now, was a leper a popular person? Is leprosy popular today? No, it never has been. And especially at this time, leprosy was considered to be specifically a curse from God, right? So who did Jesus go to minister to? Who did Jesus go and mingle with? The outcasts of society. So when we're thinking in our context today of who shall we go mingle with? These are on the list. Those who are put aside by the rest of society. Those who are counted as unworthy. There is no such thing as someone unworthy in Jesus' ministry. He mingled with the leper. The next story shows that he went and he mingled with who? What's the next story in Matthew chapter 8? Who did he mingle with? Those in high, Those in high positions. Centurions. I mean, these are the people that are the rich and famous, so to speak. Jesus didn't have a caste system. He didn't say, I'm only going to work for the poor and disenfranchised. I'm only going to work with those who are absolutely destitute. He worked with those people, yes, but in his mingling and in his sympathizing, he went and ministered to the rich. Are you afraid to minister to rich people? Does that kind of give you a little bit of uh, nervousness? No? Praise the Lord. That's great. We'll go together. You shook your head, right? I mean... Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really this. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, you... What is so interesting to me is that many, many people that are in positions of power and may include wealth are interested in health specifically the adventist health message did you know that i mean people in governments around the world are actually asking the adventist church to share the message the pan american world uh, or health organization uh, ask the adventist church do your program here with our people the governments of the world were asking you see the, the ministry the medical missionary work of jesus reaches the rich and the poor let's look at a couple of other stories uh... turn with me to luke chapter nineteen luke chapter nineteen in this uh... chapter there's a famous verse and it's luke chapter nineteen verse ten would someone read that verse for us luke chapter nineteen and verse ten
1: For the Senate.
0: Okay, that was the center of Jesus' ministry. I mean, that was the heartbeat. Is that your heartbeat as well? Do you go to seek and save the lost? Is that why you're here? Is that why you're going to be going to school? Is that why you go to work? If not, we need a shift in our priorities, don't we? The, the ministry of Jesus was to seek and to save the lost at whatever category or whatever stage of life that they were in. Very important to remember that. What is the context of this verse? Do you know? Look at the verses just previous.
1: Zacchaeus.
0: Who? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Who was Zacchaeus? A tax
1: collector. A what? A tax
0: Jesus was mingling with a tax collector, you mean? I mean, people who are corrupt, couldn't, couldn't Jesus get tainted by the corruption? See, Jesus' ministry was amazing. He broke all kinds of ideas that were in the Jews' mind. You're mingling with publicans and sinners, with prostitutes, and with the poor, those who are cursed by God and who are leprous or blind. I mean, Jesus showed that mingling was for everyone, everyone deserves to be able to mingle with Christians. Do you know that? We have a divine responsibility. So when, you, when the Lord impresses upon you to go and to mingle with someone who in your first impression you say, that's not my type of person, whether it be very poor or whether it be very rich, let the Lord give you the words to say let the lord minister through you to those people i want to highlight a few things and then i'm going to ask Essie to come and we're going to talk about how mingling has been working in the Mentone seventh-day adventist church and we're going to encourage you to follow some ideas like that but this is mingling this is what it said this is what it says in the book uh Christian service how many of you have read christian service before any of you christian service all right for those of you who do stick around for the last part of our seminar we have christian service for everyone all right so we have something you're going to want to be here at the last part of our seminar to get that one but christian service it says this it says jesus saw in every soul To whom must be given the call to his kingdom? He reached the hearts of the people by going among them as one who desired their good. He sought them. Where did Jesus seek people? Everywhere. Was it only in the church? Was it only when they were having meetings? It says, He sought them in the public streets, in private houses, on the boats. How about that for a ministry? Boat ministry. In the synagogue, by the shores of the lake, and at the marriage feast, he met them at their daily vocations and ministered an interest in their secular affairs. This is what it's talking about mingling. Jesus went and he said, What are you interested in? What do you do for a living? How is your family? What are your goals in life? I mean, that was what Jesus was doing. And it won the hearts of people. And he ministered to their needs. It goes on and it says, He carried his instruction into the household, bringing families under, in their own homes under the influence of his divine presence. His strong personal sympathy helped to win hearts. You know, we live at a time in which a lot of humanitarian effort is done by huge organizations. I mean, everything is just kind of paid for by someone, and there's, it's like uh, ministry through a drive-through window, kind of. I mean, there's not a lot of getting close, personal contact with people. And we need to change that. God wants us to change that. And when we do, when we follow Christ's method alone and mingle as Jesus wants us to mingle, great things are going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to touch lives like we've never seen it before. So at this time, I'm going to invite Essie to come up. And she is going to tell us about how the Mentone Seventh day Adventist Church in Mentone, California, has been Mingling with people. All right, Essie, let me get this thing off of me here.
1: It's so good to see all of you here. Um, I just want to share a little bit about what we do at our church. Pastor Kyle, who I'm sure you have all met already, um, the program director of iShare, is the pastor of our church at uh, in Mentone, which is right by Loma Linda, actually. And if you're ever in the area, we we open our church doors to you. We'd love to have you visit. We love to have visitors, and we do often have many visitors. Our our church is is uh, blessed to be in a place where many people pass through um but our um, mission at our church and thanks to a pastor who just has a passion for evangelism he has infected us all with that and um, we just love to do ministry in every way possible and health ministry is probably just one of the most as Rodney and Julie have spoken about today the best way to get into people's hearts and into their lives because you're touching a very personal need that they have and people are dying they have such a desire to know what can I do to be healthy what can I do to be free of whatever ailment they have or someone that they love has. And I know a lot of you folks here are very young and very healthy right now, but as you go out into the community, as you see your family around you, just to have certain tools to help them is so helpful. But I'm gonna share with you some of the programs that we have done, and we always do everything, kind of whenever we do a health program at our church, we always have it sort of as an opening to something we're doing in evangelism. So, for instance, when we have a health fair, a lot of times we'll do it before we do an evangelism meeting. Perhaps we'll have an evangelism meeting for a weekend or for a whole month, and we will invite people to a health fair, do cooking classes and whatnot. The other thing that we're concentrating on is doing, um, making our church a medical missionary training site. and. You know, Ellen White says that every member should be a medical missionary, right? And so we need to train our own people. And once we train our own people and we have the knowledge and we have the skills to do it, then we can go out and minister not only to our own families in our community, but to every person that we meet. So that's kind of what Mentone has been doing. We were very privileged just in the... Um, month of July the end of July we were invited by Jamali and she's with us right here Jamali if you could just wave to everybody she's our good friend and she invited Mentone Church to come up to Lakeport where she is one of the um, directors of the county um, um, tribal health and they have a very large American Indian population the Pomo Indian Nation is located in Lakeport and so she invited our church and we made a trip um, with a bunch of Mentone um, members, and we were there. Um, One day we did a health expo, and another day we helped do health talks, and we volunteered at a garden that Tribal Health actually runs and produces delicious organic food, um, kind of as a ministry to the people of the Tribal Health Clinic. It's really neat. And if you want to know more about what Jamali does, you know, feel free to ask her. But we were so privileged to be there, and I have some pictures I want to just show. This is the health fair that we were um, a part of, and we Jamali was the one who basically set up the whole health fair, and so we just kind of showed up and helped her and did what she needed. But it was such an amazing blessing. Um, we had this is Pastor Kyle getting his height. <laughs> we there's Jamali there. We had. Um, We had eight different stations, and do you know the New Start acronym and what they stand for? Have you folks heard? So the N is the nutrition. So we had a table for nutrition, and we would check their sugars, and then we had a table next would be E, which is exercise, and we would do a exercise test by having them step up and down, and we could see their pulse, and we could tell them what their target pulse is and if they're out of shape or not. Um, The next one would be W, so water, so we had a water station. We would um, educate them about water. Um, Then we had a sunlight station. Um, There we could talk to them about um, blood pressure. pressure. We would check their blood pressure, give them the measurements, and discuss what they could do to improve their their blood pressure. Um, Then we had T for temperance. And we talked about, there's a lot of alcohol use and drug use met abuse up there. And so we talked about temperance and how to say no. We gave them a pledge that they could sign. And if they signed it, we would give them a free T-shirt, which is a really great idea that Joali and her team came up with. Um, Then, um, let's see, air. We would do a lung function test where they would blow into a little machine and we could tell them, how their lung capacity was. Um, Then we did rest. We talked about proper rest um, at that station. And did we do the massage there? We did the massage there. So you can see some of the pictures. Um, This is kind of what, and they would get personal, you know, if they had any questions, they could ask any of us. Um, And then trusting God is the last booth. And so we had counselors, and we're doing some breathing tests there Um, you can see some of these pictures and we're doing body fat monitoring here this is the air these are just different pictures we they also had a children's health fair on the outside and they could come and learn about eating and what to do blood pressure this is Pastor Kyle. He was at the trust table, and he was giving um, prayer and uh, spiritual guidance for anyone who was interested. And he was very, that was a very busy, popular um, table. And we talked about portion size, as you saw there. Um, these are just all you can people were interested in getting their height and weight and body fat monitoring. There's Pastor Kyle again. And it was just a blessing to be able to talk one-on-one with these people because they really do want to know what they can do. Children, this is the Children's um, Health Fair. And, and it was really neat to have, um, there's Angie David. I don't know if you folks know who she is from Advent Hope. She did a lot of the talks there for the kids. And then this is Judith. Um, I'm gonna show you more pictures. The following day after we did that, we went to um, Judith's farm, and she has an organic farm that the Tribal Health Clinic um, uses. And she, had, she was not even Christian, I don't think. And when we went to the farm and volunteered, she was really touched by that. And it was only a couple hours. We just went there. The, our whole group went and weeded and did whatever she needed. And you know, we we asked her, we said, would you like to come to church with us tomorrow? And she said, sure. (laughs) And she ended up coming to church with us. And Jamali has told us that now she's wanting to keep the Sabbath and is interested in Bible studies. And it, it was really powerful for us because often, you know, you don't know exactly what impact you have, but to see that impact, that's Christ's method in action were mingling, we sympathized with her, we listened to her we we showed her that we cared about her, and we were total strangers that drove you know up just coming to work at our farm I think that really touched her and that was really a beautiful experience for us. They roasted corn and peppers and pears this is Angie with with Michelle our Bible worker having a good time so we were really blessed um, and we We also do a couple other things. Um, Once a a month we go to the market, a local, it's called the Relins Market, but it's a local market where they sell produce and have vendors and we have our own booth there. Our our church has a booth there. And um, Dan, who's over there is one of our regulars and Andy and Tony help out. Um, But once a month we go out there and we either do blood pressure screens or like a mini health expo so we'll go and give advice if anyone needs health advice and we will pass out health literature along with the other literature that we pass out we pass out great hopes we pass out all kinds of literature at that um, market night but that's something that our health team likes to do also Um, we have also um, done little simple things like work at food banks and and uh, uh, feed the homeless and um, make food baskets and things of that nature, but those simple little things we've discovered is just an avenue to get people to know that, you know, there's a group of people that care about you. And once we show that we care, we can say, you know, would you like to come to an evangelism series that we're having? And then they're so much more receptive. And um, we do a lot of door-to-door, and when we, once a month, we, when we go out to pass out glows, We will ask people if they would like to have prayer. and This is all part of health ministry. You know, we don't often think about it, but it's all part of it. When you're passing out that glow and you say, do you have any prayer needs? I'd like to pray with you. At that moment, so many people tell you about their aches and physical needs that they have. And then we've discovered, we can say, you know, if you have that need, we're having a health talk. We're having a cooking class coming up in the next month, can I invite you to it? Or we have a VBS, can you, know, can you come to that? And so it's all kind of a part of our ministry that we do. It's not just one division or one group of people that's doing the evangelism, we're just doing it all together and it becomes a cohesive unit. And we've discovered that at Mentone that, that really is the key to having a church that's alive it's not just preaching the present truth, it's living the present truth. And so we just have been really blessed. And we want all of you young people to take it home to your churches and to spread that. And you know, you think you're young and what kind of power do I have, but you have so much. And the Lord will provide if you step up and say, you know, I'm willing to do, you know, let's start this, and I'm willing to participate and I'm willing to help out, you will be surprised at how many people, once you s- step up, will come out and say, I want to do that too. So I just want to encourage you folks. Okay.
0: Before you sit down, Essie, yes. I think I'll speak loud enough to pick it up on the microphone.
1: I'm feeling <clears throat>
0: how, how can people really practically apply this mingling principle i mean what are what are some of the uh specific ministries Uh, you you've touched on several things can you give us just one or two that would be like the basic primary step some of these things cost a lot of money i mean but what would you say is the most easy way to get started in a mingling ministry
1: Um, I I think probably the easiest and, and something that doesn't really take a lot of money is actually go door to door and do surveys in your community. And you don't need a single dime for that. You really don't. Um, It helps to have a copy machine and you just copy, you know, little pieces of paper and make a simple questionnaire, find out what the needs of your community are. And you're already trained a lot of you as Bible workers and you're used to doing surveys, right? You guys have like amazing ability to do surveys, but for health ministry too that's an excellent one and you ask them would you be interested in a weight loss weight in weight loss programs or a cooking class and you start off you ask them then after you get surveys um and you ask do you need prayer are there specific needs that you have do you want bible studies that's just one way to get in through many many um through one survey you can get in Um, through many avenues but once you do surveys and you find out what the needs of the community are you can send out people who can go and do the things that they need and I think that that you don't really need a lot of money to go to a person's house and give bible studies or to do a cooking class that doesn't cost a lot or to just give a health talk you know you could invite somebody or yourself you could also do a health talk and you can talk about the eight principles of health and natural remedies
0: that's excellent and i want to ask uh, you how many of you know the website newstartclub.com how many of you have heard of that website all right just a few of you I would encourage you, I know that many of you are on the internet a lot of the time. I'm actually, I'm going to pull up the webpage before we're done with our our presentation here. I want to show you newstartclub.com because it's a fantastic way to share health information with people if you're not a doctor or whatever and you might feel intimidated. well. This is a resource put together by health professionals that you can share with all kinds of people. You can mingle with them and just share the website. It's a wonderful way to get involved. And you gave a perfect segue to our next part, which is talking about sympathy. We've seen that Jesus mingled with people as one who desired their good, and then he showed sympathy. And at this time, Julie is going to come up. She's gonna talk a little bit about sympathy, and then we're gonna hear another testimony about how that's actually put into practice.
2: Thank you. How many of you would consider yourself to be very outgoing? oh good I'm so glad only about five of you raised your hand I would not raise my hand either and um, when I hear a commission like this to go unto all the world and to preach the gospel to all nations it scares me to death because I think oh I don't really like to be around people that much and I don't like to speak up front and um i'm too shy and too quiet etc so this this idea of going and mingling with people sympathizing with them showing that i love them etc is a challenge for me as a more of a they call it introvert so i want to share with you something that the lord has been teaching me to help me because god's commission is not just for people who are outgoing it's not just for people who would be called sanguines. it's also for people who are quiet and it's for people who prefer to be alone and I want to encourage you how you can do that because it's easy it's easy for people like my husband who loves to go out there and do things and so I want to encourage all of us that we can do it the Lord can work through anybody I'm going to share with you several quotes and personal stories in this idea of sympathizing. First, I want to read something that's a challenge. It says in Christ's object lessons, if we love Jesus, we shall love to live for him, to present our thank offerings to him, to labor for him. The very labor will be light. For his sake, we shall covet, pain and toil and sacrifice we shall sympathize with his longing for the salvation of men we shall feel the same tender craving for souls that he has felt this is the religion of Christ anything short of it is a deception no mere theory of truth or profession of discipleship will save any soul just saying I'm a Seventh-day Adventist doesn't mean anything it's who is living in the heart. We do not belong to Christ unless we are His holy. It is by half-heartedness in the Christian life that men become feeble in purpose and changeable in desire. The effort to serve both self and Christ makes one a stony ground hearer, and he will not endure when the test comes upon him. And I read that because it's a challenge and it was a challenge to me I would go to different seminars I went to amazing facts and I did not love people and I thought to myself I would hear these different things we need to do evangelism we need to go door to door and I cringed and I thought what's wrong with me maybe I'm not truly converted and it worried me and I didn't know what to do I would go out there and force myself to mingle with people because it was the right thing to do but I didn't want to do it I didn't have a heart to do it and it was this year the Lord's been continually working but this year I had a a bigger breakthrough and the Lord kind of taught me a few things one of the first ones the very first thing I read it says if we love Jesus So what comes first in evangelism? Hmm. We have to love Jesus. Now how do we love Jesus? There's actually something that comes before that. Do we naturally love God? Do we naturally seek after God? No. So what makes us love God? We love God because He first loved us, right? So God was speaking to me and he said, Julie, you know, if you don't love people, it's because you don't know me well enough. And I started thinking, okay, I need to get to know God better. It's not selfish for me to focus on my own relationship with God so that I actually want to share with other people. And God led me to a book by Ty Gibson called A God Named Desire and I don't mind advertising for him. This is an excellent book. If you do not know God, if you've never had a, a first love experience with God that you just are excited about him and you, you really honestly cannot keep it to yourself, whether you're a quiet person or a talkative person, you cannot keep it to yourself. If you've never had that kind of an experience before, you should read this book, A God Named Desire it talks all about the God that we serve the God that loves us the God that pursues us it talks about how as human beings we are created to love and to be loved to know and to be known that's a human desire of every single human being in the whole world that is why there's a huge focus in the world on sex because people want to be known and loved And God created us with that desire, actually, and it's been distorted and it's been, um, what's the word, exploited by the devil. But something I want to share with you in here is how we are created to love other people. As human beings, we are limited a little bit by our um, finiteness. And say, for an example, a couple has ten children. Do you think that they, if they lost any of those children that they would just say, oh, we have nine more children? Is that true? Are they able to love each of those children with all of their hearts? Yes. Now, what happens if they say, oh, we love ten children. What if we have 15 more and they have 25 children? The example starts to break down because as human beings we're only able to love and to know people on a limited level. And there's a relationship here between knowing and loving. The more that you know a person, the more that you care about that person, correct? So I want each of you to think about a person that you know and love the most. Just imagine them in your mind. If you were to hear that they were in a terrible accident, what would you do? would you stop whatever you're doing forget all your whole life and go rush to be with them if they're across the world you'd go you'd do whatever you have to do buy a plane ticket you'd you'd do everything you have to do to be with that person right Now, in the relationship between knowing and feeling and caring for someone what happens if you have okay let's say you have a best friend or a spouse that you care about and that would be like a 10 to 10 relationship. You know them 100 percent and you care about them 100 percent. we will say that they have a relative, one of your in-laws or something that you don't know that well, but you know them a little bit and so your knowledge of them would say maybe be an 8 percent, 80 percent and so you care about them less. Now I don't know if I'm making any sense. But the, the idea is that the more we know about a person, the more we care. The less we know about a person, the less we care. That's natural. I used to feel guilty about that. Because I would go to, you know, you see people on the street, you have no idea who they are, and I would feel like I'm supposed to feel something for this person, I'm supposed to care about this person, and I had no idea who they were, so how, am I, how can I really feel anything for them? How can I care about them? And how can I follow the commission of sympathizing with other people that I don't even know? So this encouraged me greatly. And the other aspect of this that I saw was that if you think about God, he is omnipresent, he is omnipotent, and he is omniscient that means that he knows everything so if knowledge about someone and caring about someone goes hand in hand how much does God know everybody in the world does he know you a hundred percent so then how much does God care about everybody in the world you think about the person that you thought about before that you care about a hundred percent and think about God feeling that way toward that toward every single person in this whole world. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I realized that God loves everyone and knows everyone just like that, it made me want to share that love with other people. And it was, this whole book was working a change in my heart to know who God is and to realize that he, he cares about every single person so much. And there are so many millions of people in the world who have no idea that there's someone there right next to them who loves them and yet they're completely blind to that and so we have a job there was an example given of how you you don't um... oh this is an excellent example light they were trying to show what is light they had a box and the box, it was like a vacuum and they wanted to see what is light, how do you, how do you study light waves, etc. Well, they looked in this box and it was absolutely dark. It was full of light and yet it was dark. Now, how does that work? The way that it works is that light and light waves are only visible if they have a reflective surface to bounce off of. So in this box, there was nothing there for the light to bounce off. It was full of light, and yet you could not see anything. And so God is light, correct? And God is shining onto this dark world. But if there's nothing for his light to reflect off of and bounce off of, nobody will see it. So guess what part we play in that? We become the reflective surface. God's light shines on us and it bounces off to the other people in the world. I want to share with you a couple more quotes to finish. It says, The work of Christ, this is Jesus' example taken from the book Christian Service. The work of Christ was largely made up of personal interviews. He had a faithful regard for the one-soul audience. From that one soul, the intelligence received was carried to thousands. So if you feel like you can't stand up front like we're doing, you can always talk to one person. You can always mingle with one person. You, th- you remember the woman at the will? Jesus was faint and weary, yet he did not neglect the opportunity of speaking to one woman, though she was a stranger, an alien from Israel, and living in open in. And again talking about that woman Jesus reasoned more earnestly and eloquently with her than with kings, counselors, or high priests. The lessons he gave to that woman have been repeated to the earth's remotest bounds. Never underestimate the value of one-on-one soul winning. One-on-one soul winning. And how can we make this practical? One way that we can do this is go to your neighbors one by one and come close to them till their hearts are warmed by your unselfish interest and love. Something about medical missionary work, and I'm going to share a story with you and finish my little part, is it begins with who? It begins with us. It begins with me. If I'm truly going to be a medical missionary, I need to follow health practices in my own life. That includes exercise. So, in my habits of life, I go on a walk every day after I eat. And I go, I usually go, except if I have a dog with me, then I usually go a mile. And I have a little mile loop that goes through the neighborhood. And I do that every day, every day, every day sometimes twice a day after breakfast, after lunch, walk, walk, walk. And there was a man, and not to be prejudiced, but I'll describe him just so you have an idea. He had long hair and he liked to smoke, just to kind of, um, didn't use very nice language, etc. He lived on this route that I would walk every day, every day. And I waved to him and smiled at him and I smiled at other people and he didn't greet me back, he would just look away or frown or etc. Well, I didn't really like that. It's not a, you know, I wasn't attracted to that idea, but I kept walking that way and I kept smiling and trying to be friendly to him. Well Rodney and I went on a walk one day and he was with some of his girlfriends and we said hi to him and he actually said hi back. So then after that I kept walking and walking and walking and every time I'd wave at him he would wave back and I thought wow he's really changing so then one day I stopped briefly and I said hi how are you doing and he actually talked to me and we had a little conversation and he mentioned he said you know I've noticed that you walk a lot you get a lot of exercise and I thought to myself you know it's a simple thing how many of you can walk how many of you should walk (laughs) So that's a simple thing, walking around the neighborhood. In my mind, I had the idea, you know, I want to be a, a missionary, but it's not like I'm going and, and trying to sell them a book. It's not like I'm going and doing something really upfront evangelism. But at the same time, this man noticed. And he said, I noticed that you walk every day. And I, I, it was just something I always did. But he noticed that and it spoke to him and it was starting to warm up his heart. This is a man that I, you know, you look at him, you look at me, and it's like, what in the world would we ever have in common? But his heart was being drawn to what I was doing because I was friendly to him, even when he wasn't friendly. And then I was consistently walking. So it's a simple thing. Being a missionary and being a medical missionary is very simple. It's more than just talking. It's more than just preaching. It's more than just doing big events. It's also one on one, being faithful in the health practices that we are given, and then letting the Lord use you anywhere and everywhere that you go. Now, we have a friend of ours, a new friend of ours, Vanessa Greer. She is a nurse practitioner, and she's going to share with you some experiences that she has had in her work with different people. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry. And if you want to keep your in your back, yes.
2: okay.
3: I, I don't have much time because I'm kind of at the end, so while I 'm talking, if you guys want to look up isaiah 58 six through eight and read through that, this is these are verses about true religion, so if you will look that up, I have been um, I have been working in. I'm an acute care nurse practitioner and have been working in critical care and emergency medicine uh, for 34 years. And so um, I'm kind of tired of seeing people die. I've seen hundreds of people die, and um, I am challenging you all not to allow your friends, family, and those around you from dying with the information that we have to share with them. It, It is not honoring God that we are keeping this information from people. So I work a compressed schedule of four days a week, Monday through Thursday. People think that's great, except I'm there forever, all day, it seems like. So on Friday, I went in to visit the nurses. I like to take the fruit for them. I took fruit, fruit juice, and I'd make them a banana bread or some kind of bread. And this one Friday, I showed up, and the LVN was out front, one of the LVNs, and she was crying and smoking a cigarette, and she doesn't smoke. And I was asking her, what happened? And she just was just sobbing and pointing and pointing and sobbing. So I go rush into the emergency department, and I find all the nurses in our psychiatric room crying. The doctor, two doctors are at the desk with their hands on their head, and the nurse manager standing there like in shock. And I'm like walking, and I'm going, everything was slow motion. It was very strange. And I said, what is going on here? and all they could do is just point to bed one which is our trauma bed and I I was like I didn't know what what was going on and I walked over there and our night nurse was in the bed dead my sister C who I'd known for years was four weeks from retiring spent her life helping others taking care of her mother and raising her children And in the middle of the night, she started having chest pain, and the doctor wanted to send her home or send her to Kaiser, where she had her medical care, and she refused. She said she was fine. And then she had shortness of breath. He put her in a bed, and she went into cardiac arrest, and she died. And so as I stood there watching all these people in shock, not knowing what to do, I had to move forward. I asked the Lord right then, help me, Lord, to reach out to these people right now. I went to her bedside, and she was just, you see, we have a hope. We have that hope. I could see my sister sleeping now. She had high blood pressure. She was a little Filipina with a little round belly, and she struggled with that high blood pressure her whole life. And I had shared some of, of our health information with her, but it was too late for her. So let's not make it too late, I have a passion for one thing and that's creating health pathways for vulnerable populations and um, I think that in North America particularly we have to understand what is vulnerable populations. This is what you have to understand and these are the unlovable people that we don't want to touch. Alcohol, alcoholics, drug addicts, those with mental illness, end-stage congestive heart failure, end-stage kidney failure we have the largest hemodialysis program in the world in the united states that's tax-funded end-stage cancer and end-stage dementia people are living long years with one foot in the grave Okay, long long years but i want to add to this list okay i'm going to add post-traumatic stress if you see a young person between the twenty between 20 and the age of 52 now, chances are they may be a military veteran. These people are hurting. One day we had a, a heavy ambulance traffic, we had chairs everywhere, people hanging off the ceiling, and I saw this young man in the waiting room with a hood on sitting like this. And I was busy and I thought if he didn't look sick, and so I you know, I was like, hey, we got to take care of people that aren't breathing and, you know, Their hearts have sobbed and stuff. But something kept the Holy Spirit kept saying, you know, you need to call that guy. You need to find a place to put see him. So I found a corner. I pulled a chair into the corner and I called him. I said, Mr. Garcia. And he looked up at me and the eyes were black. And I thought, This young man is in turmoil. So I found a quiet corner, I put him in the corner, and I said, what can I help you with today? And he said, he had a cold, really bad cold. And he said, I got this bad cold, and I'm supposed to go back to the, the I re-upped for the, the army, and I'm supposed to go back, and I'm supposed to leave. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, what do you mean you re-upped? He said, well, I just got discharged a month ago, and, but I gotta go back, I gotta help my brothers, and I gotta get back. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is really going on here? And he just looked at me. He said, I can't stand the crying anymore. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, I came home to a baby, and I can't stand the crying anymore. So I said, I'm going to find a place for you. I found a room for him. I called our, our emergency psychiatrist on call to come see him. That young man didn't just have a cold. That man's hand, his heart was breaking. He told a story of seeing heads cut off of people, and he couldn't sleep for a month since he'd been back from Iraq. This is the vulnerable population. If they're tatted, if they're burned, if they're pierced, that is the vulnerable population, okay? So are you willing to, we talk about empathy, But she says sympathy is saying, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry. I feel for you. Empathy is seeing, and empathy is touching. And I'm going to close with one story. I was in Target with my kids. One was five, one was 10. And I was getting a car seat for my sister-in-law. And we're walking down to the baby aisle, and all of a sudden, I hear screaming, no, no, no. Well, what do you think people in the store would do? What would you all do? You all run away. Wouldn't you be like, oh, where's the exit? I'm going. Well, everybody, people that know me, know that I walked towards that. So I told my daughter, stay here with Austin, keep him right here, I'll be right back. And I walked one aisle and looked down it, and I kept hearing this sobbing and this screaming. I kept walking to the third aisle, and I saw a woman prostate on the ground with her face in the ground sobbing. And I walked, I wasn't sure what was going on, so I walked very carefully up to her, I was just like tiptoeing, and I just like, ma'am, can I help you with something? And she wasn't looking, so I, didn't, I wasn't sure. Her cell phone was on the ground like that, her arm, she was like this on the ground. And I just touched her arm and I said, ma'am, can I help you with something? It was a young lady. And she looked up and she said, please help me. And I said, what can I help you with? And she handed me her cell phone. She said, call my aunt for me. And I said, what is going on? What can I help you with? She said, they just called me. Said, my mom died, and I should have been there. This young lady went going on a ski trip with her family. And her mother died, hit a tree skiing. And she wasn't there for her. And so I stopped and I prayed with her after we got off that phone call with her aunt. People, if you're seeing people in, if anybody's got oxygen on, pushing a wheelchair, in a wheelchair, pushing a walker with a cane, those are the people you need to touch. Don't be afraid to touch them. Don't run away from them. Don't run away from somebody you think's crazy. They need to know Jesus too schizophrenics need to know Jesus when they're off their medicine they need to know him even more but they need to know Jesus so I want to encourage you read Isaiah 58 and know what true religion is and don't be afraid get out there and ask the Lord to help you in your heart to not be afraid of people as as we were just talking about we cannot be afraid of people we have to be able to, reach just the way Jesus did, read the first chapter of Ministry of Healing. That will tell you what we are supposed to do. And I've got plenty of stories. My husband always says, you keep adding t- stones to my, your crown, and you got to stop that. Because <laughs> he says every time we're on a plane, there's always like somebody, something's happening, and I, I end up up there. Anywhere we go, I'm always there to do God's work. So thank you.